Hello everyone, we are back to work for another si uh, Fireside Chat. This is our Fireside Chat 29. And today we picked a topic uh, that we've been discussing, uh, well, it's discussed quite a few times recently, and, and it's been a, a theme of discussion almost throughout my career. Uh, and this is about code reviews. So I believe that most of us as developers, we went through code reviews. Some of us do that very often, some of them not so often. Uh, and we, there are a lot of people who have different views about it. And, and what we wanted to discuss is, are they a waste of time? Do they have a place in, in an agile uh, team or in, in different environments? Are they useful? Are they not useful? So guys, like, let's start with like, what do we need code reviews for? I think that's probably a better place for us to start. Like, what is it for? Well, what do you guys think? I can I can start. Um, the the way I see it is that there are two elements to, to a code review. Uh, we can discuss whether they are useful or not. But the the two reasons that they are used is one uh, to disseminate knowledge within the team. So if a pair or a single person is working, a code review is a good point have more people look at it and that way you disseminate knowledge of the certain decisions that that were made and I'm talking about the code review that is after the fact by definition right you're reviewing the code itself uh, the other part of a code review which is the more kind of generally uh, kind of considered one is when you, you you're getting some an extra pair of eyes so that they are looking at things that you may have missed, right? Uh, it could be re uh, related to just an extra pair of eyes, or it could be related to a more senior developer, a more experienced uh, developer, or a tech lead who have to who will act like almost like a gatekeeper. They might be just looking to provide you with a extra advice, an extra pair of eyes, or they might be uh, doing the code review to actually approve your, your, your code before it can be uh, taken into uh, test and production environments. Yeah, Jose, do you, do you have like a, a different, uh, is there any other reasons that you would have code reviews for? Mm, not really, to be honest. I, although, that, I mean, that I find it you, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> I've covered it all. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, so can so we one, stop now? Okay, that's it. That's it. The end of the, <laughs> of the so once I have shut you up, my work exactly. is done here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, no. I think I think it, it's yes. That that underneath those seem to be good reasons to do it. Um, but I find that there are a lot more cons to doing it uh, than just and and those two reasons you can solve. You know, you don't need a process, right? Like they, they to to be able to do that. You want to show your code to someone, you show your code to someone. That's it, right? If you want to uh, uh, share knowledge around the domain, whatever, you, there's other techniques that you can use in order to to do that and i would argue that they're <laughs> they're more effective <laughs> than than uh you know code reviews in the more traditional sense 
Okay, but, so let, let's, uh, so sorry, uh, we, we have, okay, the, just to summarize, you have meshed for two reasons. Uh, one is for uh, sharing knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So that's why we're doing code review, just to share knowledge across, uh, among people. And the other one is really like to, to be this, uh, an extra pair of eyes, but also be kind of a gatekeeper as well. Just make yeah, sure that so he shared that second is like, like two, uh, kind of like no one is catching up, but the but the most often used one is the gatekeeping one, right? Right, whether okay. it's a quality gate or it's you know someone needs to sign off on this or whatever. So, um, so, so let, let's pick like one of those uh branches, uh, and explore a bit. I'll take probably the less controversial one first. Right, so at least in my view, all those two that you mentioned. Let's take the let's take the, the the teaching one. So, so is code reviews the best place for us to be uh, sharing knowledge, uh, or, or and if it's not, like what would be an alternative then? The uh, one thing I would like to. Kind of qualify further qualify the question a bit right there is a code review that is a mandatory thing and then there is a code review that is on demand or when you when you think you need it right so i i think every time when we mention code review we t we talk about this mandatory process that sits yeah and and so until i qualify otherwise uh let's let's talk about this mandatory process that it must be it, it must always be um be there so and one of the reasons given is that it's there to share knowledge or for an, a more experienced person to to look at your code and tell you something more right now i have a slightly maybe a, a controversial opinion on this i think that the i personally don't think that they they inherently are a wrong thing to do right often when it comes to the act of learning Sometimes it's actually good for a more junior developers or people who are just learning to know that there is a safety net and I'm going to do and I'm going to think how I, I do things and I might even make mistakes. But I know that, you know, after I've done this, I've got someone who will look at this with me and um, and I have confidence that this other person who will look at it with me is experienced. Right. And they will share their knowledge with me on, on how. And arguably, you can talk about like sharing knowledge before the code is written. Well, not really. You know, the whole act of learning is, is you know, we, we talk about the craft and learning skills and so on. You know, you, you create something, you, you make a hash of it, you learn through doing things wrongly. And it's almost, a, it could be a mentoring process if that's, if it's done right, right? So I, I, I personally think that if it's done right in this kind of way, uh, for that particular purpose, then then I, I see nothing wrong in it. I, I can mm -hmm. sorry. No, go on, go on, Hansa. No, I can I can get behind that. The problem is that most of the time that's not uh, what I've seen. No, it's not done right. No, like you get crappy feedback. People don't look at the thing. They it's just a checkbox ticking uh, thing, or they take very long time so basically you are either waiting or opening new work in order to you know not be stopped by this uh you know there there are many reasons why you know there are more reasons for me not to use them or uh, reasons why they tend to be 
poor in quality than the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Right. And this is this is what I have a, an issue with now with this, because, yes, in principle, there's nothing wrong. Right. But if every time that you're going to commit code, someone comes and tells you, you know, gives you crappy feedback, you know, your code is shit, like you should do this or or they they tell you, you know, you should have done X, Y, Z, but you don't you're clearly out of your depth, no, or you're not at the level in order to even understand what that pointer is and then go back. And, and then you have you go into this cycle of, you know, I went back and changed things and came back and still not good enough. And then I go back and, you know, while that could have been well, solved in a different way, you know, well, and, and... I think this is to do to do with the relationship you create within between the reviewer and reviewee, right? Often it turns into a, to a political thing or some like, you know, I'm more senior than you are. But the context that I'm talking about is that the reviewer is actually your mentor or the person teaching you. Right. And it's their responsibility that you do a good job as well as and, and that you learn. Right. So, you, you know, often when when it's done wrongly and I do agree that it's, it's often done wrongly because a certain environment is not put in place you know they say oh there are some uh, these are some experienced developers and your team you don't know what you're doing so they're gonna review you and normally this kind of uh this already uh, sets the frame no like the, set, set yeah. the you know these people are the ones that know these people are the ones that know don't know and you know they are here to keep you in check no yeah but, but then we start bleeding into the other the second uh reason that is the gatekeeping so if yeah. we still stick into the, the teaching side because like for me as we discussed internally multiple times upskilling and delivery they are in conflict right so this is part of the dysfunction of using uh, code reviews to teach someone. If, it, if you are using code reviews to help to teach someone, it needs to be very explicit that that is the intention because then what we are doing is you are saying you are creating the space for this person to learn, to try to do a thing by herself. And we are not interested, in, like we are not so worried about by when that thing is going to be done. So that's why we are or assigning the quality even. Or exactly. The quality. So, so because we are, it's very clear before the code review. Before the code review, it's very clear that we are taking some specific people that are might be new to the company or less experienced, and we're going to create a space for them within the project, trying a few real things in the code base, but in a safe environment. And then we are going to use that feedback loop as part of one of the multiple feedback loops that you might have is part of that code review, but then it's very clear. You're not going to be pushing, hey, the code is, is this and that, and it needs to be done. So, so no, then, then it's, every, it's clear to everyone it's a learning exercise. And it will be done when everyone is happy that it's at the right level. And it, then it will be done when it's done, in a way. Yeah. Uh, that's the only way that this can work for a learning opportunity. But if you start mixing the pressure of delivery then you start, that's where the, the two sides of using code reviews for teaching and, and as a gatekeeping, it starts mixing with each other and that's the dysfunction. And, and I can I can tell you uh, another reason why I don't think is like, like in life, you know, there's many ways of doing, you know, one thing. There, but, but there's, it, it rarely is that there is just one correct way of doing things especially in programming you can do things in many different ways yeah and certain things 
Uh, although, you know, from experience and so on, you, you know that they would tend to get you a better result and so on. Uh, they're still kind of opinions, yeah, because it all depends on what you think a good result is and, and all of these things, right? Like what you've lived in the past and you think it could happen again, etc. right? And what I've seen sometimes is, now you should do it like this. Why? Because, you know, I think it's better because of this and this and this and this. I don't know, but I think it's better the other way, no, because of this. And then you go into a into a, you, me, you know, like who's right about this. No, it's a bit like, you know, you, you can go easily into, you know, spaces or tabs kind of thing, you know, and and completely miss the point of, of what it is that you're doing. So even from the point of view of the reviewer, reviewee relationship, it tends, you know, it needs to be explicit what it is that your, that your intent is with this. And that I've never seen anyone say, oh, by the way, we're going to do the, the code review. And in particular, what I would like to do is X, Y, Z, you know, look, look at this, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Like that, it doesn't happen like that. Yeah. No, but one, one thing, one thing I would, I would say is that there should be team agreements because it's, it's not important what one person thinks or the other. What's important is that you keep a, a cohesiveness or coherence within your code base. I've seen, you know, six developers in a code base and, and six different ways of coding, right? And they take the, and they all think they're right and, and no one is in agreement. And if you don't enforce is a, if you don't come to an agreement generally and enforce that agreement, then I think uh, you, you're going to go get into a lot of problems, right? Now, code reviews, whether that I know, like if 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 the the agreement is complete and certain uh, people in the team are not following that agreement, uh, one way to ca catch it is by by code reviews. There are other ways ways of looking at this as well, but I think just say you will always get people who either knowingly or unknowingly will start uh, violating those agreements in the style of coding. And, and arguably, there's a lot of those agreements that you can test automatically as well, right? So that they don't get in the way and, and they're quick and everything else. Yeah. But but there is a, I think there is an element where that you do, you can't test. There is the kind of style of development, right? Or the uh, certain architectural patterns that you are following. And again, you you know you can argue that they can be automated, but not all of them. And I think there is some room for other people. To look at your code, uh, whether that's through a process or not, but there is room for. Uh, I don't think it should be like a kind of a, like a, a a complete no no that oh you know we're never gonna we don't do code reviews. I think I think they have a place in maintaining certain team agreements, not right. necessarily in a default process, but definitely in there is some. But but now now we are migrating to the the actual. Uh, normally the, the point of contention because we discussed the, the the using code reviews for teaching right for sharing knowledge and stuff mm -hmm. but now we are already migrating to the other side that's where probably most people it's suffer, difficult right? yeah it's difficult not to go there because actually yeah, exactly. the teaching part and if it's if it's you know as you said if the delivery is not a problem and i totally agree with that right you can't be teaching and then be be like pushed on to deliver 
both a review and a review, that's not going to work, right? So we, I think that that is not as controversial. Controversial, but the controversial part is, as you said, it's the the second part, the gatekeeper. Yes. So so now that we are entering that that area, like a lot of uh, organizations, and we've seen we've been part of those organizations, and we still deal uh, having in quite a few projects, where as you were saying, uh, code review is part of the process. And so it's part of the flow how people work. They would need to work in a certain way. They, they commit. They, so it's part of their flow. At some point, they raise a pull request. Someone needs to, to review and so on and so forth. And, and most of in, in most places, the reason for that is some sort of a gatekeeping, right? Mm -hmm. To assert to some degrees. And, and this is where uh, I think that there is a lot for us to discuss in here. And, and Chris and Mesh, you already touched upon some of those things. For example, what are the things that you should be reviewing right so what, what what should we discuss during a code review and you mentioned a few things like low level coding styles and things like that or very high level things like architectural patterns and solutions and so on and so forth so i normally in general i find code reviews a waste of time i will be very clear and, and i'll tell you why uh serve some low level concerns uh, as you mentioned, like details of code, where do you put the curly bracket if it's the end of the line or the new line? Mainly for people using static, uh, statically typed languages like so C sharp, Java, and stuff. You put a bunch of plugins and static analysis tools. It will just check everything for you, fail the build, bang. If you don't follow that kind of uh, way to arrange your code, if you don't follow the rules, it will not even it will fail the build. You cannot even raise a pull request. So these low-level concerns can be easily, for certain languages, ironed out. And of course, if, when people have different uh, uh, preferences, they need to go to a room and, and and agree with whatever, and they will need to concede. Like if you, there are things that I care more, I will fight over those, and there are things that I care less, I need to give it away. But at some point, the team will need to reach an agreement, and that will be codified in all those static analysis tools. And that's about it. That's the end of it, right? For so the, I, yeah, for the more style-related stuff. Exactly. And the low level concerns as well. You can you yeah. can codify and you can you can automate. Yes. Exactly. So then there is a team agreement that is codified, and for the because then, for example, for me, this is a, a true waste of time. If you're gonna go to code review to be discussing where we put our curly brackets or how big a method should be. Uh, or, or how, what is the shape that our test should have? We have a problem because then is is what I call a fundamental problem. Like we are not even agreeing on the very low level basics, and, and and there's no amount of code reviews that will solve that. Code reviews you just make everyone pissed off. It will just annoy everyone and create a bad environment. So it's much better to say you know what, let's stop this process here, and let's agree what quality metrics that we want at this low level that we can automate and agree and not talk about that anymore. That, that there is one point to that, but there's always an exception to those as well. But let's let's leave that for now. Carry on. <laughs> no, I I, I, I'm just conscious that I'm taking too much space here. No, so, no, no, no. So, um, the, but then there are other things as well. Then, for example, there are things that are related to the business rules, about like some specifics that of the business, some risks, some 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 I don't know, uh, 
things that you need to be aware when you are changing the code because you might cause other problems and stuff or might not be reusing the right things and stuff. So then there is a, a room for that in the reviews. But my view, my guideline is, just to try to finish my point, uh, is normally 99% of the code reviews should be resolved in, in, in a few minutes. I raise a pull request, you go there, look at it, yeah, oh good, done. That's how it should be done. If we are spending a lot of time in code reviews and every code review, we, we need to have a conversation, we need to have a video call and, and spend half an hour to do that, we have a far bigger problem that code reviews are not going to solve. That's, 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 I would leave it yeah, at that. that so. hey, sorry, go on. Go on. Go no, on. go, go, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying that like, what I am arguing for is not, not constant code reviews. What I, uh, so I, I, I agree that code reviews as a process in every single commit or every single feature is, is a, a absolute waste of time. What I, I am actually thinking about is that there are, how you do the what well, the mechanism can can vary, but there are certain things where you do want your code to be reviewed and and pairing is not enough because pairing has a different kind of context to someone who is completely new to that context or has not been involved in developing it. They have a different kind of perspective, and sometimes it is a good tool to use, right? So it's uh, my personal view is that the teams and pairs should be taught on when to, call, when to call for a review, rather than the review to be always in place. I think that that's what I'm arguing for, is that yeah. they should be calling for a review rather than it always being in, in, the, in their way. Yeah, because a lot of the times they it is uh, established as a quality gate. And as a quality gate, let's say the, the only quality gate, let's, let's put it like this, and as a... A, a something that is constantly happening in your process. I think they're they're a terrible quality gate in that sense. You know, like and yes, we can have a conversation, etc. But it goes against a lot of things. It goes against the speed of delivery, right? It goes against you know the consistency of the quality because it will depend on who is doing the review, how much time they have for this, whether they were busy or not, or they just click on the thing and. Oh, good. You know, a few minutes. I, I, I approve all my pull requests on the, you know, five seconds. No? Automatically, it just uh, gets gets merged, no? Or whatever. But uh, from, from that point of view, I think it's a bad, that's a by, the bad approach you know, to it, right? And it's also, uh, especially when, it, when that quality gain becomes a bit of a micromanagement tool, right? Like, I want to see what you've been doing or I want to, you know, because because then again it, going back to the relationship it, it kind of breaks that down no um so from that perspective i feel like even if you have the uh, you know that quality aid will only tell you of the symptoms and it's not really going to be a good way of solving the underlying cause and there are better ways of of, of solving that no, uh, again, if someone doesn't know how to design properly or how to test properly or whatever, like doing one code review, every, yes, you you learn by doing it wrong. But again, there there's not a good proportion there on on the feedback, the quality of the feedback, the accompaniment with this person to be able to build up the skills, etc. Right? 
Yeah, so I have like uh, quite a few uh, concrete examples actually the, um, of the inefficiencies of code base, uh, uh, pull requests or code pull base. Request, yeah. uh, okay. So uh, pull requests. <laughs> the, for the first of all, is like <laughs> when do we do that? Because like if someone has been working for a significant amount of time, let's say a day, two day, a week, or whatever, and then it's okay now that I've been working on that. Uh, I raise the pull request. And then someone says, you know what, not good enough. What do you do? Throw it away? Throw one week worth of work away? Add another three days to do the, the, the changes and stuff? So there is a lot of waste in that already, right? So, so that could have been resolved slightly different. We can get into the merit of how. Um, so that is one thing. You can even argue, oh, but should someone be working for so long on something? Well, there are things that you take long you need like if you are going to build a feature end to end might take a few days might take a full week might take a even a full sprint right but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be committing over time but then who makes who who reviews those code because quite often this is centralized in a few people as well and they themselves become a huge bottleneck and quite often when you when you have a, when you raise a pull request means that you need that to be committed quickly so that you can continue so your next task relies on building on top of that thing and if that thing is not act upon very quickly you or someone else cannot keep going right so that is another source of influence so how do you uh make that uh, open the pool of people to do pull requests or make it fast you don't want to have a single person that their job is to review pull requests i don't think that no one would like that job Right. So, but also if you have more people reviewing the code, you get to exactly what you're saying, Jose, then, then you don't have any consistency. So why are they reviewing for? If everyone can review everyone's pull request, so what is the point of it? Is this knowledge sharing? Because knowledge sharing, you can do that in a much different way, right? And not blocking everyone to do knowledge sharing by, I raise a pull request and someone random will take that from a queue. What knowledge sharing are you talking about here? No, right. So, exactly. what's the value of it? Right. So, I would rather say, you know what, guys, I committed this code, and if you want, I will set fifteen minutes aside, and I will take you through the design I did for the whole to the whole team, and this is how it's this area of the code is working. That would be far more yeah. efficient. Inherently, inherently, if you talk about efficiency, inherently, code reviews are a laggy thing. You know, they they are after the fact. And, and that's what, what I mean, like they should not be in a directly in a process. They should not be the thing that is stopping you from from delivering. Right. So like, there are a lot of things that you can do beforehand. So, you know, you should have design reviews and you should have design kind of come up with with if the, if certain things are complex, you should propose designs and even have the whole team kind of review that as well. Right. So the, there are certain things you can do before you actually start writing the code. Uh, and they, they will be much better. And having those team agreements as well, they are, again, a leading thing, you know, because you ha have had these team agreements, you know that if I do things in a certain way, then we have all agreed on it and that, that'll be good. So all those things should be should be in, in place before the review thing. A code review, in my, my opinion, is actually more related to we review the code anyway. Like for example, if we I'm reading the code because I need to develop the next feature on top of that, but another person did it, we are reviewing that code, right? 
So, so, and this is after the fact, you know, this thing has gone into development and we are like, I'm going to go do the next thing and I'm looking at it and I'm thinking maybe there's something wrong and then I can speak to the person. So that you can also argue that review kind of happens naturally anyway. So the only kind of, with this, this kind of uh, tool, let's say, the code review before it goes into production is is that when you need a certain bit of confidence from somebody who actually really knows this thing well, right? So, so there are certain people in the team who may have a lot of experience um, with, within that code base and know that certain things are uh, can go wrong, right? So what I, I, I would, you know, if you're in a team, you know, oh, this person really knows this area. I'm developing in it. I'm not as familiar with it. I'm going to, you know, have a maybe have a design review and everything else with them first. Get it, you know, nicely designed. But I also I would once I'm done or I've done a, the more difficult parts, I want them to come come have a look and say, like, you know, is this is this right? Are you do you think that there is a risk in in this because it's a complex area? There might be some problems that I haven't thought about. What do you think? So it's not about style. It's not about little finicky things. It's about certain risks that the code may pose in production that this person who has a lot more experience in, in that area may be able to catch that I wasn't able to catch. And I think there is definitely room for that in, yeah. uh, in the process. It's about the solution itself, right? So the, I remember that because uh, we've been in both sides of the, for example, one, one argument for code reviews is exactly what you're saying. There is a group of people that know a system or an area of the system very well, but they don't scale. They cannot do all the work. So you need to have other people contributing, right? And then when those other people are contributing, they need, depending on the importance of the, that area of the system, it should be reviewed because the, the other person might make a mistake. It's too important in that area. So we've been in both sides. For example, when we were working for UBS, like an investment bank, we had teams of vendors in different parts of the world that would contribute to our system. A company like Cojunas, we are the opposite. We are the vendors. We work on client systems. Quite often we go to a project. Uh, when we start a project, like we don't know those systems as well as our clients. The same way that when we were, on the other hand, the same thing, when you join, there is a new person joining the project, that person will not know that project as well as some of the other people. So there is a need for the review, but you can make these efficient. And, and this is what you're saying, Mesh. I remember that the, the way that we used to work that I felt very efficient. Let's say that we need to build something complex, right? So, and this will take, let's say a full sprint for me to do. Let's say that I'm doing alone or me and Jose are doing it as a pair, but you are the guy that really understand the system inside out. You know, like what can be broken, what should be taken care of. So the way that we used to work is, before Jose and I even start typing a single character, we say, look, you know what? Let's do some analysis of this story or requirement or whatever. And let's call Mesh and say, hey, Mesh, this is our proposal. This is what we're trying to do here. And this is our high-level design. And high-level design, I mean boxes and arrows. Yeah, we're going to change this API in here. We're going to add a new service in there. We're going to throw an event in there. This is going to be consumed by the other service in there. We're going to change the database over there. This is the kind of high-level thing that we are planning to build over the next two, week, two weeks. What do you think about that? 
we haven't spent a single, we haven't typed a single character yet. And then you as, a, as an expert to say, okay, Sandra and Jose, no, you need to think about security here, blah, 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 blah. So you help us to shape the high level. Again, very high level, not low level details of methods and parameters and stuff. It's just high level. But we also know that's going to take a while because so we also don't want to go for two weeks writing a lot of code and then raise a monster pull request and throw at someone and say, hey, here are uh, 50 files changed across two different systems and stuff, right? Because then the the, the, the expert like Mesh, like it's like, guys, I, can, I don't have time to go through all of that. So then either he will just uh, say, you know, whatever, approve or say, you know, no, this is all crazy. No, I will reject, do that again until I understand. So, so this creates a problem, but what we used to do that was more efficient is like, okay, this is the whole solution. We agree on the high level design and say, look, okay, for the next step, for the next day or two, we are going to work on this API here, but we're not going to implement the whole thing. We're just going to work on this part in here. And that's when you're going to know the low level details and you're going to raise a pull request just for that bit, but you are going to be our reviewer throughout. So you know what the high level design is and you know that you're going to be working on small chunks. So as soon as we raise the first pull request, you already know that there is a lot of things that are still not going to be done yet. And this is just the first bit. And then it's much easier for you because you already have the context to say, yeah, cool, done, approve. Five minutes should be enough. If there is something re really serious, we just wasted two days that we need to change. Commit, merge. Now we need to build on top of it. Next stage. So Mesh, Jose and I, we're going to work on the next level now. We're going to change that table in the database or whatever. Cool, great. Pull request again. So then we make those requests much smaller. Is within a context and we are agreeing beforehand what is the direction? So the only thing to review are very tiny details that could be reviewed very quickly uh, and easy. So, so and even if you need to change direction, it's not a big deal. Because like, if we don't do that this way, it will become very inefficient, right? So we cannot just take a, a something complex and just raise a pull request and say, who wants to volunteer to review that? Yeah. It, like this person has an absolute yeah no it's it, it's right. again it's and what you're aiming for is again feedback as soon as possible uh, you know getting shipping product no uh, as soon as possible get it out there try it out so i would argue that if your argument to for doing you know pull requests is not pull requests but you know code reviews is that you will catch things before they go into production in in that sense you should one aim to automate correctness because one thing is design no like okay it could be designed better but does it work the way that it's supposed to work that you can test automatically yeah most of it. Not, not 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 all uh, jose let me pick on this sorry just one one because i think this is an important one because often this is said, and we, we, we say that, and in theory, I think it's, it's a very good, good thing. But in practice, certain kind of correctnesses, especially the kind of shit that goes wrong in production, is not very easy to automate. So for example, you, in one of those, in, in, in one of those uh, scenarios that Sandra was talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Often this expert would say, you know that thing that you're 
you're changing, you're, now you're added to the query. There's no index on that. And that's a huge table in production. And are you, are you, and like making sure that you automate this kind of thing, this kind of knowledge is going to be such a huge investment that the kind but of changes you, you're making. But if you have a system, no, okay. So I, I can understand that there are certain things that they're very difficult to automate, but something like what you're mentioning, yeah, you should be, you know, you should have a, some sort of staging environment before you go into production. I'm not saying you remove all the quality gates and, and push to production. What I'm saying is, you know, you can automate a lot of the correctness uh, in that sense. And the example that you just gave, I know it was an example, but that I would expect that to be tested with similar volume or, or something at least that kind of, uh, you know, challenges the the thing beyond what I did on my computer, right? Especially if it's a if it's a key system. Okay. The second part of what I was going to say, which I, I didn't get to, is that the other thing that you should kind of uh, optimize for is recovering from. And and this is the other uh, the other aspect. Even if it gets to production, the the fact that it gets to production, you want to mitigate and you want to be able to recover from that as soon as possible. So I would argue that if you had some, you know, test, even for that performance, uh, uh, you know, test that you that you were talking about, if you have, I don't know, canary releases, you would immediately find out that that is uh, that that is there, and you will be able to roll back, and that's it. You you figure it out. Either you you mitigated the. Uh, you know the risk or the the cost of that mistake and then you can go back and try again or whatever and okay. that will definitely better in my book than having someone that than counting on someone knowing that the index doesn't have you know that the yeah, table probably. or the thing doesn't probably. have an index right it so. goes it, so it goes without saying mm. but what i'm saying is that the 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 picture that you are painting Mm -hmm. It's not even 0.001% of the systems that are out there, mm -hmm. right? And every time that I want to make the next change and think, shit, I don't know what's going on, but there are no canary releases and there is not a suitable test environment. Do I then sit and say, well, bring me a canary releasing functionality and bring me all the <laughs> no. things, test environments before I no. make this change? No. no. You take no. the pragmatic view and you know that there are a certain bunch of experts in, the, in there that know where where the weakest points in the systems are yeah. and you get their their info yeah but but i think that for me the most important point in this case specific because we are now discussing some big things right so the the reason that we are saying that maybe uh code review is a good thing in this case is because we are talking about a full complex solution that will take some time to be built with a lot of moving parts so in order to make it more efficient don't just wait for the full thing to be done by a pair and then two weeks later, have someone reviewing like tons of code. And, and that is too, way too late. It's too much of a waste if that was not done properly. You can break that down in small part, like redesign up front and have multiple checks. But this also puts a burden on the reviewer because you have someone dedicated. We used in the past also, there's another uh, pattern. We had pull requests to actually share knowledge. I remember again back back in the before Codjudens, um, we had like a, a a global team in quite a few countries, and we had this idea of like, look, everything we do, let's raise up a request, 
And we even had a priority, say like, our pull request should be reviewed by someone from a different team. It's just for, to try to share knowledge, people know what's going on everywhere. Was this efficient? It took us a long time to make it reasonably efficient. At the beginning, it was a mess. We had an internal channel similar to Slack. We used a different tool back then. And we would put things in there, pull requests, pull requests. And there was a batch of stuff. And then every time the, 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 the rule was, and we had like almost 100 people across the world working. And Mesh, like if I'm misrepresenting, because you remember probably that very well. Um, basically, like after you raised your pull request, your job was to take the, the, the pull request at the top, because now you are done. You raised your pull request. So your job is to, to review a few of the codes and unblock the, the, the queue. But then uh, we were very slow to do that because we wanted to understand everything and, and so on. So that became very slow. So then we also created a, a few rules. There were a, a, a deadline of a few minutes. You would push it in there and say, hey, my pull request is ready to review. If no one from outside my team would pick that pull request in the next 15 minutes or so, uh, the team itself, my team mates could review that. And if no, no, none of my teammates could review that, we would merge it anyway so that we could progress. But then, because the goal in there was just to share knowledge, but if that sharing knowledge is impeding us, is creating a blockage in our delivery pipeline, so now, okay, I want to share knowledge, I raised my pull request, and now I need to wait for six hours until someone is free to review, and I cannot do anything because I need that code to continue, then it defeats the purpose. Right. So then, then, then we are is, not getting anything. There is a there is a context in here as well. Another thing was that we were bringing all these teams out at once, and they were we were building a system from scratch. Uh, this was crazy, crazy deadlines, and we were in a way forced to use this many teams as well. Uh, uh, but uh, what we wanted to do was not create a almost like a levels of teams this team is a core team and this we wanted to keep sharing knowledge especially at the time that a lot of the things were were changing everywhere by different teams and we were all working in the same same code base in hindsight things like you know microservices and so on may have helped but at the time you know the the system was we were all working in the same code base and this actually helped quite a lot in fact it created a a certain level of equality between the teams and really help teams understand each other's work. Uh, so in a way, it, that, that was a knowledge sharing kind of initiative, right? And of course, we, as, you, as you said, Sandro, initially it was quite a big problem, um, but introducing those rules where we would not let it get into the way of delivery actually started helping a lot and people were coming up fairly quickly to, to help look at those things. And also, it was putting pressures on the reviewers as well to not be nitpicking, to kind of just look at things and, and ask questions on how is this done, why, why are we doing it like this, and so on, just to help understand understand what, what's being done. You know, you Sandra, you reminded me of another example where I think uh, having pull requests was, was uh, quite helpful which was a system where the different components were uh, owned by different teams, but everyone could modify things. And that was also quite interesting because uh, we had a, um, a team was assigned as a maintainer for, for the component, 
right? So things that were not related to features or whatever were kind of done by that team. Um, but in you know, if you needed to change something, you were allowed to change something. However, it needed to go through uh, through a review from someone on the maintainers team, basically. And because uh, basically they were going to maintain it, right? So you could not go and shit all over the place and then yeah, goodbye. Open source, open source model, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 similar to that. And that uh, and that I think uh, worked uh, quite well. Uh, that that I think worked quite well. Coming from a, a place where you had a team that would go build the features, so they would like modify whatever needed to be modified and then leave and leave the mess for other people to to deal with right yeah so yeah, that kind of approach. helped uh, you know put you know some some boundaries and it's funny because yeah because we had even a name for that we, we had that uh in the past as well like we had some core systems in the bank and, and at some point um uh, we were int we introduced what we call the component guardians. I don't even know if it was you, Mesh, that actually introduced the concept, or or it was. No, it was before me. They, was they before already you. had them. We just no. in it, when when we joined, there was only one, and we basically decided to have more component guardians per component, mm -hmm. which effectively were the the co the maintainers because they were the ones that were actually got, got called in a, a on a Sunday. Mm -hmm if the system wasn't working. Yeah, and this was a good idea. Uh, so so in having someone that really understand the system and stuff, they allow people to work, but they are there to, to maintain the overall quality. And not only to maintain the overall quality, this is another thing that needs to be said in here, is to give the support. Because like we cannot just have one specialist in a specific area of the system uh, or of a service. And, and that, that person cannot do all the work. But if the person say like, you know what, I'm becoming like I know this area very well, and not I'm not it's not it's not that I'm the gatekeeper. No, I'm the person that will enable other people to make changes in here, and I'm gonna help them. I will work with them to explain what needs to be done and what what they need to worry about, so that they can do their jobs and we can scale that that uh, change, right? So this, this is an important thing, and there is an aspect that I want to bring up that I think that this is really important that we mention in this episode. Regardless of people's preferences of how they do pull requests, there is uh, oh, what, 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 how can I kind of explain that? There is like a, a humane aspect to it. Like, for example, what I'm trying to say is, if I if I worked on something, yeah, for for the a period of time, most people are trying to do a good job. Most people say, look, this is my task. I picked that up. I'm trying to do a good job. There is a, an effect if I raise a pull request. And if someone rejects that or start pointing fingers in everything I've done and say, hey, go back and do that again. Well, if it happens once, yeah, it's okay. Well, Maria, I can see that. Fine. Next feature happens again. I raise a pull request, bang. Someone goes down and, yeah, no, this is not good. You need to do this, this, and that. Okay. There is an emotional effect in there because all of a sudden, so like, look, what, what the hell is going on in here? Because if I'm in the system, I swear, after my second pull request is with, is with if my if if I raise pull request two in a row, the second one was rejected. I put a stop on that shit. So like, look, I don't want my pull request rejected anymore. So we are gonna sit down. We're gonna go to a room, 
And I'm gonna agree what you want. And I'm gonna teach you how to accept so, my pull request. No, seriously, seriously, because like for example, like if, if everything that that I do is being rejected, we there's no pull request that's gonna solve. It's just gonna create a very bad atmosphere because I will be pissed off. The person, and by the way, for the reviewer, it's also not nice to reject someone pull request. It's also not nice to say, hey, this needs to be improved. This is also a, a difficult place to be, you know. For some so, it's a power trip. So for some, it's a power trip. No, for the, yeah, for some, most, they, they're good human beings. They, they so like, yeah, yeah, again, yeah, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I get that. But but for example, as a, as a developer, if I have someone rejected, I'll put a stop on it later. I say, look, you know what? I'm not going to write another, a single line of code before we sit down. And you go to a room or a whiteboard and stuff, and we are going to resolve this shit. Like, what do you need? What is the quality gates in here? What is the process that we can have so my pull requests are never rejected again? What do I need to do? What do we need to agree? And when? Because what I don't want to do is to work for a full blow, uh, full week. And someone said, oh, that's not good enough. Uh, change that. And if it's, imagine that happening to every single person. No, that's not about me. You might have tens of developers. And this is happening to a lot of them. Those people are going to resign. They're going to not, not going to stay there. So you know what I'm saying? And this is what I'm saying, that the, 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 the code review process has a, a, a moral impact in the it team. It has an emotional impact. Emotional impact. Thanks. That, that's the word that I was yeah, looking for. Exactly. Yeah. So th this is important. That, I think right? it's a very good, it's a very, very good point. You know, it's, it can really, it can, it can really work on a team to the point where, you know, people don't want to be there. It can it can disrupt the team. It can create a po power imbalances within the teams uh, and outside as well. Especially when code reviewers sit outside the team, mm -hmm. that is that's that, that could be very very dysfunctional. So so it, how do you how do you make them enjoyable then? Because that's a uh, no. There there is the aspect of you're still getting feedback on your work and it's. Mm -hmm. You know, it's difficult to separate your work from you, right? This is this is one of the things that I think I feel is kind of difficult with yeah. that. No, I'm criticizing the code that can be taken as you're criticizing me, right? And my expertise, yeah. and, uh, and my no. So, yeah. uh, so how, yeah, how, how do you go about making those things to be more enjoyable or more? Um, it's a better for team unity, so to speak. Well, 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 let's say, let, let's say, yeah, forget about code reviews. Like, what would be an ideal scenario? Wouldn't it be nice, let's say, just a hypothetical utopian kind of thinking, right? So wouldn't it be nice if everyone could just co commit whatever they wanted and all the commits from every developers would be at a standard that everyone else agrees as well? That would be and, great. And right? also, and they would they would pose no risk to production systems. Exactly. Right. So everyone knows what they're doing. They can freely commit all the time. That for me would be fantastic. It would create a very nice environment. That's like, you know what, whatever I do, I do it. I commit. Whatever Jose and Mesh do, you commit. And I like what you do, you like what I do. That would be a very healthy environment. It's a bit utopian because we have different levels of experience. You might have stayed in a project for like I might have been in the project for two years, you, you might have just joined, but like, but we should at least start try to get there because the code reviews are a means to an end. They're not. A, this is something that should not need should not be needed. So if we start working towards removing 
or at least reducing them to the bare minimum or working towards where most of them are always approved, that for me is a great goal to have because this will force us to discuss as adults what is the code standard that we need. Sometimes it's not even about code and standards, as Mesh said, it's about knowledge of the system. So is there a way that, Mesh, I can get the knowledge that you have? So at least like the bare minimum of knowledge that I need so that I can do some tasks in a safe way without having wasting too much time. So then we can have these kind of conversations and these for me creates a healthy environment. But, but this goes back to my point that uh, Matt mentioned, you know, that's kind of like the 0.00% of the systems are there and so on, right? But this is, uh, I think, what you should strive for. Even if, if that's the case, like uh, you have people like uh, Buffer, GitHub and so on, right? Where you join and, you know, you need to do your first commit or your first push to production. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but on the same day or the same week, you're already uh, pushing code out. And what they do is like, we've established a system where we kind of make it impossible for you to put something out there that is crap, right? Like that can really like take the system down or whatever. Oh, they right? reduce the, and reduce the cost of failure, basically. <laughs> exactly, and this, is what I, and this is what I was referring to before, right? Like you can do that. And as um, the more investment you put in that system, yeah, to, to make sure that, that the better it will be, the easier it will be, but the more confident people will be to be able to jump in, contribute or whatever. Why? Because if everything went well and I did a great job, that's perfect. It stays there. If things didn't go well, we can quickly recover from that. And it's not, you know, nobody's it's not gonna cause losing, any problems. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody's losing their head. No, and the way that they look at it is not it's not, oh, you push something wrong to production and the system went down. The way that they, they look at it is like we need to change something in the way that we're doing things because the system allowed for this to happen, right? So we need to we need to go back and review what it is that could have been done. Uh, at the system level. And a lot of this is, you know, around automation and so on and so forth. And some of these things are not, you know, I, I think they're quite, yeah. you know, so, standard no, but, today. But, but no? sometimes, yeah, yeah but, but sometimes, like, sometimes, like, the pain of the, the maturity of the organization, get to that point in order to solve the problem might take way too long. There are things that are much simpler to do, but you need to put some effort. So, for example, you are onboarding a new team member or a new team, you need to know that those people don't know their system. So in order uh, to do that, pair programming at that point can be a great tool. So say, you know what, like there are a bunch of new people joining the system. Let's take the next two sprints or so, and we're gonna work pairing with those people, or we're gonna run a few design sessions, or as they are picking up their next task, their story or task or whatever, before they start coding, let's have a design session. Let's put some boxes and arrows. So, so you see what I'm saying? Because these, you start uh, bringing the collaboration closer between the old, the people with the knowledge and the people that just arrived that has less knowledge. You start establishing that human relationship. You speed up their learning curve, right? And you reduce the amount of waste in the system. So you reduce that thing that people will do you try to do their job. And then someone says that the job is not good enough and they need to redo. And that is waste. 
and also also give them uh, you know especially these uh, a lot of it is tacit as well but some some parts of the knowledge knowledge is is explicit uh, so these experts they know where the weaknesses in the system are right so actually keeping a catalog and almost tra training all the new people in uh, in in these areas where you know that you, like if you go and change this table this table is very big and if you go change uh, you know connect to this the, these systems they're you know they're very finicky and you know we need to, so so kind of creating this situational awareness on how where the system is operating and helping those because that's what the experts have. Now, you can't always teach all that. And then, uh, you know, as Sandro said, pairing, uh, doing design reviews, and even using code reviews as a means for teaching, uh, uh, or, or even like, you know, as uh, Jose, you mentioned, the cost of failure, reducing the cost of failure, right? Arguably, if pay, uh, code reviews are done well, in 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 those cases where they're not getting in the way, all the caveats that we we mentioned, they can be a mechanism for reducing the cost of failure as long as they're not getting in the way, as long as they're not helping, they they're creating a bad environment in the team, as long as they're not creating massive power imbalances and all those kind of things, as long as they're not doing those, these it's a tool, right? And used in the wrong way, in the wrong place, it can it can be destructive and unhelpful. But using in the right place, it will do the job for you, right? And I, yeah. that's how I see code reviews. Yeah, and I would go further, uh, saying, for example, because I mentioned the the frustration of the person having the code reviewed, right? So someone reviewing my code and how frustrated I will be if my code keeps being well, people keep poking holes in what I do. I will be frustrated. So I would take the initiative to say, look. Before I, I, I do it again, let's sit down and discuss how he see how we can minimize that. But there is the other side, as you were speaking, Mash, that I realized as a reviewer, you should always also be your job because it is a, a bad job. Like to review someone else's code and, and going, like you have your own things to do. And also, you need to stop and go through someone else's code, try to understand big holes and say, oh my God, there is a problem here. You need to do that again. And then, and you, and when you do that, you know that you're going to need to review it again once it's, it's fixed. Yeah. So, so from the reviewer perspective, you should be thinking, how can I enable this person so that when a pull request is, is raised, I spent like 10 seconds on it. I just pressed the, but the approve button. Yeah. A reviewer should actually be seeing a rejection as a as their own failure as well. Exactly. As exactly the point I was trying to make. You know, with the with how to make them enjoyable and so on. I, I the best reviews that I can remember were not just a feedback. They were actually let's sit down and do it together. Let me show you how I think it should be done. Let's discuss it and get there no at least point you in the direction not just say oh it's not good enough because you know some yeah no it's like listen coming, coming in after the fact but, <clears> yeah. exactly exactly more more along the lines of and, and so so providing the feedback with examples of what you mean or whatever and if you compare to show it that's even better because then you can actually see you know what the person is saying no 
so that's that's one example. And I would say the other thing that would make them kind of enjoyable is that is if you know you you teach people not so much to give feedback but to ask for feedback. And if you create that culture of asking for feedback around the code, et cetera, et cetera, by the point that you get to the to the review, most likely you've been asking for feedback about the thing before it gets to the review and you know it, it just passes, right? So I think those two are kind of important because you can teach people how to give feedback. But if you're not ready to listen to it, it's not going to go anywhere. Like it's it's all it. There's a big uh, part of that that is the receiver, right? Like how the person takes uh, takes a feed. Doesn't matter what words you use, you can always you know uh, twist it. No, so uh, I think those two would actually help in the case where you don't want it to hurt the the, the unity of the team or you know the the environment that you're in. So spending some time in you know, teaching or or engaging people on how to do that uh, properly, you know, in a in a more effective way, I think would get you a long way as well. Yeah. Cool. So, guys, like, uh, any final words? <laughs> By the way, I have another topic that uh, exactly. <laughs> have you thought about? <laughs> I think my 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 final before you even start my final <laughs> words are, are I, I think there's two elements elements to it. One is that it's a tool. You know, you you can't just say it's it's an evil thing in itself. Yes, it's 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 a cause of many a dysfunction, uh, but that does not mean that the tool itself is invalid. It's just that the way it's being used. And it should definitely not get into the way of people. The other thing I think we just recently, it was the end of the talk that we talked about, is the unity, cohesion, enjoyment um, of the team is extremely important. If you don't have that, they will not produce good results, right? So if 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 what you have, if core reviews are actually creating bad emotions, bad atmosphere, power imbalances, all those things within the team and making people unhappy, you are definitely doing it wrong. Especially yeah. if you're saying that you're agile <laughs> because, yeah. you know, people over processes and tools, no? Yeah. So <laughs> maybe it's time to change the, the tools <laughs> and the process. Exactly. exactly. Jose, anything from your side? Um, no, not really. That, that's... I think we covered a lot of ground. Cool. All right. So yeah, for me, Mike, I think the only thing that I would like to emphasize is that I'm. I think that again, I agree that it has its place, but I still think that is waste. It is a thing that in the ideal scenario we would not need that, right? So, so when we introduce that, we need to have a very specific reason to add another layer in the process, another thing that will impede us to have a continuous flow of delivery. So if we are creating another layer in that uh, workflow, we need to have a very good reason and always work to minimize that that step, right? So not do, I, I don't think we should do code review for every single pull request, for every single line of code changed. I think we should be very focused on areas or certain solutions that are more important than others and make sure that we work hard that 
most of the requests or like most of the reviews when they are done is almost an automatic approval because if we are finding a lot of problems during the review we need to step back and say look how can we uh, resolve those problems so that the review can just be press the button and merge that that's what i i think that should be the goals uh, the end goal for this cool all right excellent Thank you guys like as always like if you stayed with us until now after an hour uh remember to subscribe to the channel give us this, the thumbs up and also like if there is any topic that you like us to discuss leave leave your uh comments and also like even if you have an idea for this episode if you want to ask us questions about this topic in specific we will uh get back to you on the comments as well so hope you enjoyed see you next time bye bye, -bye.